This is DWZ Podcast with J-Rod here. Deleted Wrestle Zone, very own podcast of professional wrestling, such as AEW, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance, many promotions, wrestlers, matches, and championships. Hello, everybody. I am your host, J-Rod. Uh, first of all, I am sorry for not throwing any content for all of you guys. Uh, if you guys may or may remember the last time, or if I've forgotten, I had a nasty ear infection that was killing me. It's been, um, you know, you know how that is for people who are sick. So I'm better now, but also right now I'm having problems with my left hand. Broke up on the wrong side, but that's not going to stop me right now. Now, as you all know, there's been a lot of interesting things that have been happening in pro wrestling that may or may not be out in the open in social media. But let's start with certain things that took place with AEW that I haven't got the chance to put out. As you know, AEW got new acquisitions in their promotion. The first one was Tay Conti. Now, if you guys are familiarized with her, she was part of the women's division down in WWE. Of course, she made appearances at NXT, but however, she had uh, had problems with them because they were not utilizer enough. That is one of the things that happens in WWE. We do know WWE do not utilize a lot of their talent, and Tay Conti was one of them. But luckily, among, back in April, she was amongst the few wrestlers that were released on April 15th, or as we call it, Black Wednesday. So basically, we all now know she is full on with All Elite Wrestling. She's All Elite. And then we get uh, someone very... Um, interesting who has been mostly we've been seeing on AEW Dark and we're talking about Will Hobbs now some of you ask I never heard of Will Hobbs and those who have seen him are like wow this guy is good like he is very impressive and then that's what made him good uh, really be signed with AEW because he was impressive people were impressed by his performance at the Casino Battle Royal at All Out and all this and that so it made perfect sense and not only that He's involved in a six-man tag team match, teaming up with the AEW champion John Moxley and, of course, the relentless Darby Allen. And I can't wait to see what more. But the biggest acquisition that took place after that is none other than Miro, formerly known as Rusev. So, yes, that was the biggest shock that took place on AEW Dynamite, where the story goes where Kip Sabian was looking for a best man. And he was announcing it. We thought there was this guy named Pup, Puff, and then um, who else? Then Brian Pillman. But later when we saw Miro, it was surprisingly to see him there. And I know some people were like happy. I know many fans who are just pure pro wrestling fans are happy that he's there. Because we know he should have been a much bigger star in WWE. But he never got the chance. You know, because that's one of the things that WWE will regret for the rest of their lives because he should have been pushed to the top. He should have gone, but he did gave a shot at WWE saying that I'll reach for the brass rings and you can shove it up your ass. It's a direct shot to WWE because they did not use them the way he thought he would. Because that's the problem. Like, Let's say you have hopes for the, this wrestler, but you all of a sudden you just felt, nah, nah, I don't believe him anymore. I lost faith in his what he can do, bring into the table. That's one of the things that pisses me off about WWE. They have great talent. Some wrestlers we've seen in the independency that should have been stars, but all of a sudden they're, they're being down. You know, 
That's one of the things that WWE has to live for. But the latest acquisition was Serena Deb. Now, if you guys are not familiarized with her, Serena Deb was that one girl who had her head shaved in front of CM Punk when, she, when Punk formed the Straight Edge Society. So, yeah, that's her. But she did make her return with WWE years later when she participated in the second annual of the Mae Young Classics. And since then, we do know she has uh, been being part of the as a trainer at the Performance Center. But luckily, she was also amongst the 40-plus people that were released by WWE on Black Friday. And then she made an appearance on the eve before All Out on AEW, facing off against Thunder Rosa. And it was a good show. And not to mention she had made appearances, and now it's been confirmed that she is now All Elite. So I have to say, these guys pick great acquisitions to join the ranks. So I can't wait to see what each of these guys will bring to the table. That is something that is a key factor for AEW to grow stronger. Now for all you WWE fans are saying, but they're collecting ex-WWE wrestlers. That's going to be like WCW. That may be true, but WWE were the ones that brought them down. Hello? Sorry, folks. That's how I act. Because it's true. They brought them down, but this time... There's going to be greatness in their careers with AEW, and I can't wait to see it. Now, for some of you know this, I follow a lot of the Japanese promotions. Now, I mentioned some before, but what I found interesting, this month, three promotions were throwing their annual tournaments for the top uh, title, which is either the heavyweight titles. Now, one of them is the G1 Climax 30 that is being uh, presented by New Japan Pro Wrestling. Carnival of Champion by All Japan Pro Wrestling. And then the N1 Victory by Pro Wrestling Noah. Now, if you want to know what championships these guys have, New Japan has the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. The uh, a All Japan Pro Wrestling has the Triple Crown Champion. And as for no Pro Wrestling Noah, the Global Honor Crown Heavyweight Championship. So those tournaments are taking place at this point now there is a slight difference with these tournaments they do in japan now here in the united states they normally have tournaments but they do it differently you see if you're in a tournament if you lose a match you're out so basically it's like you don't get zero chances to advance but the winner does in in japan it doesn't happen that way they normally use a point-based system and all of them do the same thing if you win a match, you get two points. But if you lose a match, you get zero points. But however, if somehow you guys were unable to pick up a victory when the time limit draw happens, each of you get a point. But there is a slight difference between all three of these events that took place. Both New Japan and All Japan are two of the oldest promotions ever. They normally use about 20 wrestlers in their, tur in their tournament. Now... The Carnival Champion originally supposed to took place months ago. And amongst these wrestlers that was booked to be in this tournament was none other than Davy Boy Smith Jr. If you guys are New Japan fans and you ask yourself this question, wait a minute, wasn't he in New Japan? Yes, but he was unhappy there because they were normally having him be a tag team specialist alongside Lance Archer, who's currently with AEW now. But that's the thing about... 
uh, what baby boy Smith. He wants to be utilized more as a single competitor, but he never got the chance with New Japan. But All Japan approached him. Now, since now the, the whole thing with the Carnival Champion is happening, uh, he probably won't. He's not in it, but it's been going on. They had to modify maybe uh, twelve wrestlers or so. No, wait a minute. I don't know exactly, but they had to keep the minimal because none of the international wrestlers had made their appearance there. I'm referring to wrestlers that are not native of Japan. But New Japan has been using some wrestlers are native, like Jeff Cobb, Will Ospreay, uh, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. Those are like the most popular wrestlers they got in New Japan that are outside the Gaijin ones. And of course, with the N1 victory... That is the pro wrestling promotion. They normally have 10 wrestlers. And they use them for um, like the A block and B block. Now, it's completely different how they normally do that. I did saw this uh, tournament about a year ago when I found out um, the current MLW National Openweight Champion, um, Alexander Hammerstone, made his debut there. And I do know that they, made a, they were in a partnership with Pro Wrestling Noah at the time. And, of course, another wrestler that I'm familiarized, uh, Iko the Dr. Wagner Jr., he was also in it. And now he's currently part of the this faction called Zagura uh, Goon. And he is one half of the Global Honor Crown heavyweight tag team with a familiar face with WWE, Rene Dupree. So, yes. So, many of these um, wrestlers who participate in the... In these tournaments is pretty good. Now, I haven't seen any of the matches from both the Carnival of Champion or the N1 Victory. Now, if Pro Wrestling Noah posts any of these um, matches, I could watch. But the Carnival of Champion, that's a different. I'm not sure if they're planning to do a... Mo- kind of like what they do with New Japan where they have like commentators there. I know that there was a match that they had at the for the retirement of... Uh, what's his name? That one big dude. I forgot his name. Manabu Nakaishi, Nakamishi, whatever his name. That big guy. But he was in a ma- match there, and Kevin Kelly actually commentated on this one. So pretty much that's what they do. So there's three tournaments. But you probably you ask all of you ask me this. Wait a minute, hey J Rod, isn't there? I know there's more promotions down in Japan. Don't they have tournaments? Well, that is still open for discussion. I'm trying to do more information about that and once i do i'll let you guys know because here in deleted wrestle zone i like to talk about every other promotion doesn't matter what where it is who it is who's involved who has been booked in there who's been signed it doesn't matter i normally don't talk about WWE in this promotion in this in this podcast or on the youtube because mostly people talk about that and that's what people need to know it, there are other good promotions that are not even w, that you may like. It, it doesn't matter if it's another televised promotion or is it uh, independent. It doesn't make a difference. As long as you love pro wrestling, it doesn't matter how much. Me, I follow pro wrestling. It doesn't matter who's in it or where I find it. It's either in the U.S. or in Japan or in Canada, Mexico, the U.K., Europe, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, I, I don't care. I love pro wrestling and I love to talk about it on this uh, with the, for all of you guys so you guys can appreciate what cool stuff they have, what cool content they have. 
if you love pro wrestling, I can tell you a lot about which promotions you should take a look. But that is for another discussion. But let's continue on. Now, in relation about WWE that I mentioned before, apparently the USA Network has been totally unhappy with WWE. Now, this has nothing to do with the NXT. This has something to do with the all-of-a-sudden shock of departure of Chris McCumber, who served as a liaison for WWE and the NBCU, which is the network that um, broadcasts the USA Network. Now, you ask yourselves, why did he left? Well, there has been a lot of problems that Raw has faced for months. Now... Let's go back to a few months ago. As you recall, Paul Heyman was the executive director of Raw. And I do know that Fox were not too pleased with the fact that they had Eric Bischoff instead of Paul Heyman. But however, Chris McCumber here is a full supporter of Paul Heyman. Now, Paul Heyman, the other end, had a different idea, a different type of vision that Vince McMahon disagreed. Paul Heyman wanted to br uh, bring out new superstars to become top. He had guys like Ricochet, Humberto Carrillo, um, Alexand Cedric Alexander, these guys. These were wrestlers that should have been top stars. But Vince decided to bury them. And that caused a problem for McCumber. Basically, the idea, you're supposed to bring new stars into the fold. Isn't that what WWE was supposed to do? Well, recently, Vince has been normally relying on some of the older wrestlers, like Randy Orton. Like, why are you doing that? If you all recall years ago, Hulk Hogan was the top star in WWF at the time. But Macho Man did state it a little comment during a documentary about Hulk Hogan on, um, on E-Channel, on TV, about how Vince was mostly interested in having a younger, fresher talent. And that was the whole point of him. But now, it seems like he has no interest of that. It's like he's forgotten the vision that he built to bring younger, fresher talent. What happened, Vince? Paul Heyman, on the other hand, he wanted to do that. Continue what Vince should have done from the start. But he did not. This led to a back and forth thing. So Vince McMahon fired Paul Heyman as the executive director, and gave the job to Bruce Pritchard. Now, this is the question that McCumber had. Why did you use Bruce Pritchard, who is currently as the executive director of SmackDown? It did make no sense. It, it, it didn't, because it makes no sense whatsoever. Why are you, are you using the same guy twice? And this led to McCumber to leave. Now, how, now, Dave Meltzer noted this right now. Since McCumber left the USA Network, he said that it's too soon to speculate what's going to happen with Raw now that Chris McCumber is gone. Now, I have to agree with uh, Dave Meltzer. Now, some of you can say, oh, Dave Meltzer is full of shit, but you got to agree with this. Some of you think, oh, now that McCumber's gone, does that mean that uh, USA Network's going to cut all ties with WWE? It's like, well, that is a possibility. But however, there has to be someone who can actually help reinvent or try to make things 
work between WWE and the network. Because you gotta remember, it's the network who makes the shots, calls out how things are supposed to be in the in their network. And that's how it is. But Vince is not like that. Now, if you guys recall, uh, some people say that NXT did better without colliding with um, with AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays. And that is true. But the problem is, Vince is not going to let that happen because, like I said before on previous episodes, he's not going to tolerate another promotion stealing his thunder. And the thing is, the network makes that decision because that's what the TNT network did for AEW Dynamite. Originally, it was supposed to be on Tuesday, but they cannot compete against basketball, which they normally do. So that's how it works. So the real question is, what's going to happen with WWE now that the Chris McCumber is gone from the USA Network? And what's going to be the fate of Raw? That is still yet to be seen. So we just got to wait and see what's going to happen, who's going to take Chris McCumber's place, who's going to be the liaison, and that's it. Now, the last thing I want to talk about right now is the stable factions between AEW and WWE. Now, some of you talked recently about the latest faction. Hold on a second. About Retribution. You ask yourselves, who the hell are these guys? And you thought, oh, these guys are a bunch of guys, thugs who are attacking people. That's cool. But the way they presented it was kind of bizarre. They revealed these guys. We didn't know there were rumors circulating about Dominic Dijakovic involvement with the group. And that confirmed this past Raw episode. And the way it was built was very poorly. Because there was not enough story built the way it should be. You know what I mean? And, that, and many fans are saying they preferred the Dark Order more than Retribution. But however, you probably say, wait a minute, what about the Hurt Business? Well, the Hurt Business is a different type of faction away from what Retribution was doing. Now, if you look at the Dark Order, how they started, it first came about with Evil Uno and Stu Grayson making their appearance at AEW uh, for uh, Double or Nothing, the first one. And then you see these guys calling themselves the Creepers. And then they made their next appearance on uh, Fight for the Fallen when... uh, they attacked, uh, who was it they attacked? The Best Friends, I think. And then we saw the same thing again at the first All Out last year when Orange Cassie made his appearance and wiped out. And then we've seen this build-up story about new members like Alex Silver, uh, Alex Reynolds, 3 and 4. But as the guys from Square Circle Cycle Babble were calling them, Thing 1 and Thing 2. And then we see Alan Angels, uh, Vance Preston, who now goes by 10, and then Cole Cabana. And then we got, um, what's his name? What's Cole Cabana? Anna J. And, and it's becoming more interesting how they're building up this stable faction because it made the perfect sense. But however, but the way they build up the leader, who we all know is Mr. Brody, formerly known as Luke Harper. And the way he does his role is pretty amazing. He's like, people compared him as Vince. But however, they made a, they gave them enough content time on Being the Elite to be a funny joke. Because if you guys haven't seen them on Being the Elite, they have done a great job the way they pertain. Giving them a shot that we get to know them. But the Dark Order have made a lot of great headlines 
Not to mention with Mr. Brody Lee becoming the TNT champion when he beat Cody for the title. And that's one of the things that makes them more better. The way they build up the story. It started out with two guys. And then you see build up, build up, build up, build up. Members, new members, new members. And then you see the new leader, Mr. Brody Lee. Now, you ask yourself with the Dark Order, why didn't WWE didn't do that? Well, to be honest with you, I think the creative department don't know how to create stuff. I don't think they got content for this. And some of you will say, if they didn't have content, then what the hell are they doing? Well, you got to remember, they approached this to Vince. If Vince doesn't like it, he tears the, sh the paper up. You know, that's his deal. But, like I said now, people are preferring the Dark Order more than Retribution. Because the way it was built up. And personally for me, I have to agree. They built up the uh, Dark Order in a better way than Retribution. Retribution just shows up, attacks people, destroy property, and that's about it. We don't know who's involved. But the way they presented the members, they gave them like these weird mags, like something that we've seen out of Road Warrior or Mad Max, you know, or something like that. You know, that that's one of the things we would have... We do recognize some of the wrestlers. There is um, Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez, Dame Dijakovic, and Dio Madden. But the mask they waited to put him, that's ridiculous. I mean, really poor concept the way they did it. And, and I don't know where WWE gets this stuff. And, and it kind of bothers me about it. So, I don't know what's going to happen. Now, the next thing I'm going to do for the next upcoming episode, if you guys inform, I will throw in the G1 Climax on the first two days because it's pretty amazing. Uh, we do have advances from certain people who are involved, uh, who's in each of the blocks from A and B block. Uh, and then uh, hopefully there'll be more content I can throw in for all of you. So uh, like I said, I'm going to be busy much of the week, but we'll see how that goes. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of me talking about the latest acquisitions, the tournaments and, and the Japanese wrestling scenes. Uh, the relationship that's ha been uh, uneasy between the USA Network and WWE. And of course, comparing both Retribution and Dark Order. So, hope you guys enjoy this episode. I must bid all of you adieu. So, goodbye. Mwah! And have a nice day. Bang!